0: gentlemen welcome to the evening jones all right right back at you uh hope you guys all enjoyed your you know thanksgiving holiday just kind of kicked it around here in a scenic new york city let me tell you about this snow though so it snowed yesterday kind of knew it was gonna snow no terrible big deal. Like, it didn't paralyze the city or anything like that. But it was also December the 2nd. Don't that feel a little early for that bullshit to y'all? Because it feels a little bit earlier, like, like for me. Like, it feels like it's not supposed to be that yet. Not here. Not now. Not at this moment. This is not what it is supposed to be, man. We looked out the window, and it was a snow globe. Like a legit 100% snow globe. And it got me to thinking, you know, I know how y'all get down. You know what I'm saying? Um, I spent a lot of time in Miami. Um, And while I was in Miami, I liked to post pretty pictures on the internet. You know? just of like sunshine, beaches, you know, like in the winter, I used to sleep with my windows open. I have my windows open the whole damn door, slide it open, listen to the waves, come crashing, wake up in the morning, go outside on the balcony, just stand out there, butt naked. Cause it was warm. And because I could. It's not how this thing works here in this New York city. Not at all. And see the thing about New York is, you know, I ain't got a car. And even if you got a car, I live in Manhattan. You just can't go like make a stop, make a stop. And so like I had stuff to do yesterday after work. I need to catch the Uber. I guess I could have caught a taxi, because let me tell you something about the Uber. I think I may have made this point to you before, but this point holds, and it's something that we all need to remember, okay? Uber drivers are amateurs. They are not professionals. They are hobbyists. They just try to make a little bit of money. That's it. Man, they out here driving in the snow, they gonna mess around and get you killed. And by the way, got the nerve to be surgeon. And I understand why they surgeon. The surgeon is, I'm certain, like partially because of demand, but it's mostly I'd say because of supply, because these Uber drivers know they ain't got no business out there driving in the elements not a very comfortable ride home when all that happens like once the weather hits here i've said this before difference between here and everywhere else is when the weather hits you in it here in a way that people in other cities simply are not all Right, antonio that's how say yep that's me drive for lift but i'm out here fucking around that's exactly what you're doing i oh boy miami they was doing all the fucking around man i tell you time I had an uber driver in miami that couldn't read and I ain't judging him for the fact that he couldn't read. I'm judging him for the fact that he couldn't read and he couldn't understand what the pictures meant. Now you just blowing past every exit, just flying past them, flying past them, and then you trying to tell him what to do. Except the problem is, my man, he ain't really uh, he he he, he wasn't about that English. You know what I'm saying, like, 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 like that, like that wasn't his, that wasn't his story, that that wasn't his life, and so you trying to tell him to get off, and I felt so bad because I'm getting frustrated because it's unsafe, but he looked so sad by the time it was done, and I just imagine what his circumstances were to where he just needed to get some money somehow, some way, he got somebody to hook it up, you know, to get on the computer for him, you know what I'm saying, so that he was able, you know, to be able to do this Uber driving thing, and I was like, damn, man, you know, I feel bad for him. In the situation that he in, but at the same time, man, why are you so bad at this? Like, why are you so awful at this? So, anyway, be careful uh, getting you an Uber driver in these elements because them people are amateurs. Moving on to your question, my man said, "How do you, how can you get a license without being able to read?" Nah, I, I imagine they got ways for that. And there's a reason why them signs and shapes. Anyway, question. When is it safe to say I don't like a black movie? Queen of Slim, Van Lathan, asked this question on Twitter. Shout out to the homie Van. Um, I mean, me personally... I'm kind of out of the business and making public declarations about what I do and do not like because I ain't just an individual no more. My opinions mean different stuff to folks. Right. Like if I'm writing it out, maybe that's one thing. But I ain't really so much in the business no more getting on Twitter and just trying to talk about what I like. Like we just homies because, I mean, I'm homies with some of y'all, but y'all know what I mean. I ain't really everybody's homie no more. I'm just a dude on TV. And that turned all this stuff into something that I don't necessarily want just because I'm trying to participate in the conversation with y'all. I won't be down with y'all that bad. But anyway, um, I went and saw uh, The Queen and Slim, and I think I can encapsulate the biggest issue that I and some others based on the things that I've read, the issues that we had, the issue that we had in this movie. And I really think, and I I don't purport to speak for everybody, but I do think that this will boil it down for a lot of people that movie obviously took itself very, very seriously, right? Like this is a movie that wishes to be taken seriously. And it had such a flimsy plot that it like interferes with the idea that this is something that should be taken seriously. Is that like, does that sum it up for the people who saw it? because I think that's basically where I landed by the time it was all over. It, to me, was comparable to Love Jones in the sense that, like, Love Jones is a two-hour music video. Now, there are a lot of things involved in the plot and stuff in Love Jones that are strictly for the aesthetics, but ultimately don't make sense. For example, those train rides from New York to Chicago. I want you to pull up a map of the United States right now. All right? I want you to look at the route that train need to go to go from New York to Chicago. I just want you to look at it. I want you to look at how far that train gotta go. Does that look like an efficient mode of transportation to you? Right? Like, does that seem to make sense? But no, the idea jumping on the train was cool. Right? Like, so that's what it is. That's how I felt about this. Yo, these jokers. Like, I don't feel like this is messing up. The, like, this isn't this is the kind of thing that in the plot that they going to put like in a review. So I don't feel like I'm messing up the movie for you. However, they're running from the cops. They done smoked the cop. They run it from the cops and they get all the way from Cleveland to new Orleans. With no plan. Yeah. But somehow they got there, right? Whole America looking for them. Somehow they got there. Okay. Right? And I guess part of this also is they weren't trying to make this movie into an action thriller, right? Which I totally understand. Except the problem is, if you just smoked a cop, it is required that everything after that be like you in an action thriller like white people can't do that they can't they can't but it's the thing like so those people in that movie um old buddy from uh uh, from get out uh let me look up how old he is uh was it kaluuya all right, that dude is 30 years old, okay? Um, old girl that's in the uh, that's in the car with him. She's 33. Love Jones came out in 1996. I don't know how old this woman is supposed to be in the movie, but let's just, like, call it 30, right? Like, I did some, some envelope math uh, while the movie was going on. But anyway, let's say she's 30. And my man playing Coltrane, and she like, did you know about it before Love Jones came out? Love Jones came out when you was 10 years old. Like, what are you talking about? Like that reference to Love Jones was another very Love Jonesian element of this movie. And I don't mean that in a good way. And so if you're going to do a movie that wishes to be taken seriously, the movie's got to be serious. Like it can't have a bunch of like plot holes and just implausible things that are definitely the case in this one. Right? So I mean, it's not an unenjoyable movie. It's kind of ridiculous in some ways. Misses some big things, I think. Um, like I'm trying not to give away the movie for you, but okay, and you can tell this from the preview, so I'm not messing you up with this. This I will say, and this is something I think that is very interesting. The movie makes it clear that in this period of time, that while they're on the run, they have become ubiquitous, right? Like they have become like national figures. Everybody knows who they are, and. Okay, cool, right? Everybody knows who they are. And they're saying all these people think they're heroes, you know, and all this stuff. Okay, cool. What is not very clearly explained, though, is why people think they are heroes, right? Like, we're given this idea that they have this fame and they have this gravity in the larger society. but there's nothing ever to give us a true indication as to why. And so who's to say, maybe the idea behind that is to say that once you get to be like, get to be in this place of visibility that you become what people think you are. And it doesn't really matter what you actually are, what the truth is or whatever. I have no idea. Right. Like maybe that's what it is. Um, but you know, and one last thing, there's a scene in the movie that is like utterly predictable. Right. Like once once it gets to a place where they both on the run. Like, like there's something that happens that's utterly predictable. And all I'ma say is I counted one shower in the whole movie. The whole damn movie. Anyway. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Is it totally implausible to call subterranean homesick blues the first rap song? Yes. Yes, it is. It is totally implausible to call it that. And what I have to say to people who ask this question It's very simple. Can't you just let us have, y'all can't let us have nothing? Like, I understand that there is a shortage of Caucasian musical innovation in the United States, right? Like, in terms of just coming up with some whole new shit that sweep the nation, sweep the whole nation. I understand. You ain't got a whole lot to hang your hat on in that regard. Y'all ain't gonna get wrapped. That's not going to happen. Like, why don't you do what is a little bit more in line with history and wait till we done with something and then y'all can have it as opposed to trying to repossess it. Thanks. Appreciate the question. Need some more questions. Let me see what else we got here. Sorry about that. Hey, uh, E.E., can you put the questions where we put the questions, please? Then I can put it up on the screen. Because I got to say, the rest of these questions are kind of struggling. No disrespect. Okay, here's this one. Writers really think Drake invented rapper turnt Sanger. All right. So this is off this New York Times story. Uh, That said, you know, talked about how Drake helped make the idea of rapping and singing into a commonplace notion. And it was in the New York Times and it was written by a gentleman named John Caramonica. And I think it's very easy for people to see the combination of a name like Caramonica and um, like a name, a combination of a name like Caramonica plus the fact that it's the New York times and then just kind of instantly dismiss that person as having no idea what they're talking about. And I think that colored the response to that story. All right. I will start this with a bit of full disclosure. I do not know John Caramonica. Um, But Caramonica is a beast like a writing about rap. Kara Monica is a monster. Like this isn't some amateur or some like 19, 20-year- old who just decided to write about rap, who wrote this column. This is one of the best music writers on the planet who did this. Now, I'm not saying that the fact that he is that revered or that I feel this way about him should change your opinion about what he wrote. But I do think that if people knew who the person was they were talking about going in, they would have approached this a little bit differently. Like, I look at that and I see the byline John Caramonica and what he said about Drake. And I'm like, OK, let me see where he's coming from because he's John Caramonica. All right. Now, this is what I took from that. And this is something that I think was different from the way that people received it, because I think that they just like put it up front. Right. I mean, just decided what it was once they saw the headline. But this paragraph, I think, is important. Drake's So Far Gone mixtape, released in February 2009, marked the arrival of new path. Singing is rapping, rapping is singing, singing and rapping, all woven together into one holistic into one holistic whole. Drake exploded the notion that those component parts had to be delivered by two different people, and also deconstructed what was expected from each of them. His hip hop was fluid, not dogmatic, and in re- and in so remaking it, he set the template for what would eventually become the global pop norm. Now, I understand why people read this and be, and then their response to this is, okay, well, there have been people who were so sang and rapped before. Drake ain't new to this. No, he's not new in that respect. But if you go listen to, like, Ray Shrimmer or something like that, you get left with this question. Is Swaley a rapper? um you go look at somebody and this is like a bit of a different plane but it's a similar part of the discussion like lizzo is lizzo a rapper now the difference with drake of course drake is so good at rapping when he's actually doing it that i look at that singing stuff is just like some other shit he does because he's bored i suppose or whatever it is but like i absolutely look at drake as being a rapper in that way like somebody's saying lauren hill Here's the thing about Lauren Hill though, and this is what Cara Monica says, like the fact that you bring up Lauren Hill, I think speaks to the point that Cara Monica was trying to make. When Lauren Hill sang, she sang. When Lauren Hill rapped, she rapped. Right? Like there was a clear doing this doing that, even if she did both on the same song. It was very clear that it was one or the other drake has kind of taken the idea of a pop star to allow a hybridization of being a singer and being a rapper that did not exist previously so like nate Dogg, for example nate Dogg isn't like singing and rapping he's just not very good at singing but nate Dogg wasn't rapping now you could say that he was like absolutely using what were the dominant hip-hop themes of the time but nate Dogg was a, was a singer you know as far as singing went with him like rest in peace um but That's what it was. Now, we can say here, we're treating treating the R like OJ now. Now, this is the interesting thing. I'd I'd agree with you on that, that R. Kelly is somebody who was in that lane, but R. Kelly was kind of starting as a singer. I think the idea that if you want to be a rapper, you can also be the guy that does this bit of singing. Drake wasn't the first, but it did really explode from Drake. Like, it's not too dissimilar to the fact that Michael Jackson didn't invent the moonwalk, right? But Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk is what made it what it was everywhere. I think that what he's saying about Drake is true in that respect. Let me say somebody says here, future. You're right about future, but the thing about future is future hit the scene in 2012, Drake kind of sort of flipped this in 2009. Now, somebody's saying Ja Rule. Correct, Ja Rule did this, but there was a clowning of Ja Rule that took place that doesn't quite take place with Drake. Drake gets clowned, but Drake gets clowned for different reasons. Somebody mentioned 808s and heartbreak. Yes, the thing about 808s, though, again, if you go listen to that all the way through, That's all Kanye singing. Like, he is a rapper doing a good album that is poor singing. Andre, the same thing. He's trying to be a singer. The thing about Drake is the effortless move between the two. Yeah, Kid Cudi did it. Like, Carol Monica isn't even making the argument that Drake was the first person to do it. But I do agree with his idea that nobody quite put it together in this way. I do agree with that. So I just don't think that this was nearly as ridiculous an idea as people made it out to be. I think that people saw the headline and were like, well, what about da da And since it was written by a white person, boom, they immediately went, to the, went from there. But if you get a chance, check out the interview that Carol Monica did with Bun B. I don't remember what the publication is, but he just got Bun on the phone. He gets Bun talking about stuff like watching David Letterman when he was in high school. And by the way, I will uh, put the link to it in the uh, chat room. There we go. All right, appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Somebody says here, why is Pablo so bad at dancing? Shit, Pablo probably better at it than I am. I don't even want to copy and paste this for everybody, but somebody said, is Meg the Stallion left Cardi B in the dust, or is or is it just a regional thing? Son, I don't know what region you live in, but uh Megan's doing big business out here in these streets. Cardi B is doing Pepsi commercials. What dust exactly has Meg the Stallion left Cardi B in? But you talk about like the actual making of music? Okay, like. Cardi B is at that place where she ain't. Nah, nah, nah. To answer your question, no. No, the answer is no. All right, let me see what else we got here. Somebody says, is there a historical event that you would really like to see a movie or documentary tackle that hasn't been made yet? Let me tell you something, son. At this point in my life, if I feel that way about it, I need to go do it and not tell you so somebody else can go do it and make the money. No disrespect. Considering some of the goats of Hollywood are in it, would you watch three and a half hours of The Irishman? Uh, yeah. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I saw somebody uh, put something up that showed how to break it into parts and turn it into a a, a miniseries, basically. But I mean, I saw that the, once. I saw that The Irishman was about like Hoffa. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. I'll do that. Uh, I have seen the movie Hoffa before and the movie Hoffa is interesting in that basically it's like a choose your own adventure for the ending. Like they created an interpretation of what happened with Hoffa because we don't know what happened uh, with Jimmy Hoffa. The Irishman, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken is based on the books. I hear you paint houses. So it's one person's attempt of, excuse me, one person's account that is then being adapted and made into this movie. Um, so, yeah, I'm down to check it out. Uh, One thing that's interesting about this to me, and I get it, it makes perfect sense why this would be the case. But, like, even as recently as 20, 25 years ago, like, everybody knew who Jimmy Hoffa was. I feel like if I'm talking to somebody that's, like, under 35, like, not even 30, I'm talking to somebody that's under, that, under 30, do they have any idea who Jimmy Hoffa is? Like, I think it must be a fascinating watch for people who are of that age and to, like, get a grip on what the you know what the union situation was and how somebody like hoffa could be so polarizing and also in some ways so popular among certain people and like, like how like what fascinating figures these guys were like the idea of a union boss is something that just doesn't make any sense to people right now and i don't blame people if they don't know who Jimmy hoffa was but like stand-up comedians just always have jokes about Jimmy hoffa like he was a thing but we're not just far removed from what Hoffa, we're not just far removed from Hoffa's life, but we're far removed from what gave Hoffa relevance still being relevant to anybody now. Anyway, yeah, I think I'm gonna check it out. All right, appreciate the question. See what else you got. Who? let's see what we have here would you sign a million dollar non-disclosure agreement to see pete davidson perform is that what he's doing now he's making people sign a non-disclosure agreement um if he does a performance i mean if i liked pete davidson i would like from talking to more comedians, I understand some of their concerns with what's going on. Which part of it is, hey, man, we go to clubs to work this material out and figure out the tone. The only way that I can do that is in front of an audience. There's got to be some grace afforded to them. You know, so yeah, no, I don't blame people for that. I get, I get, yeah, yeah, why not? Oh, uh, I mean, the dollar amounts a little extreme, but that's what it's going to take to try to scare some of y'all. Like, y'all just like some of y'all just don't feel like y'all didn't really do something unless y'all put it on the fucking internet, and so I can't knock them for that. All right, guys, I'm trying to give you as much of me as I can, but I gotta say, I don't have things here that I'm that interested in answering. Somebody says the inverted yield curve meaning anything for people of color. I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, somebody asked me about this ba- the video about a baby. I'm still not sure which is which. I talk about my end for Kamala Harris as uh, attorney general. Son, are you crazy? That is an interesting question. On this note, has any rapper had as dominant a decade as Drake in the two thousand tens? That's an interesting question. I think I was prepared off the rip to just dismiss it Um, except I can't. Now, here's the thing, though, that makes that tricky. The 80s, at least in the context, like for what we're discussing right now, like there wasn't enough of the 80s to even have something that's relevant to this. And the game just moved so fast. There was nobody who was going to be like at the top of the game in the early part of the 80s or 90s that it was even fair to expect to still have a career by the end. Like the lifespan of this stuff was just completely different um, at that point. And then you get guys who maybe started a little bit too early or, like, too late in a previous decade, so the whole situation doesn't wrap around quite the right way. So you get a dude like DMX who was, like, when you really go back and look at it, DMX was the number one dude in the game for, I mean, a good five, six years. Like, DMX was bigger than Jay-Z. Yeah. It may sound crazy, but that's what it was. But like from 98 to 03, like 50 kind of picks up the mantle after that point. But like from 98 to 03, he was that dude. Um, And so last decade, like I think Kanye was probably the guy for that first decade of the 2000s, except that Kanye doesn't pick it up until 2004. To stretch that out, Jay-Z, who knows if he had decided like to be a rapper rapper for the entirety of that decade. Maybe it would have been him, but he wasn't. Uh, Drake became a really big deal right at the beginning and wrote that thing all the way out in a way that I can't immediately think of someone who did the same thing. I cannot. Like even somebody's like 2000's Wayne, but I feel like the Wayne thing didn't really, really get popping until '04 when the Carter came out. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Yeah, man. Sorry. Ain't really that much. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. Try to do this thing once every week or two. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, Remember, if you can't watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. And all right, talk to you guys in a little while. Take it easy.